Welcome back, PokerCast faithful. We have another exciting podcast for you today. This week, we'll be discussing how we deal with the good and the bad times of being a professional poker player. As always, Top 2 PokerCast is hosted by myself, Andrew Bradshaw, poker supervisor of the world-famous Commerce Casino and all-around poker aficionado. My co-host, as always, is Chase Bianchi, the bearded poker bandit, so far one-time World Series of Poker winner, and all-around, just pretty swell guy. Chase, talk to us. What's been going on with you? Well, it has been swell, uh, but uh, not so good on the poker front. Uh, been getting my butt kicked in Vegas, which it's always like the most exciting time of the year and you're so amped up to go out there. And then it's really like, it really just cuts it out of you when you go out there and drop 25,000 and just to have an all around pretty miserable trip. So uh, I got home a couple days ago, feeling much better already. And uh, I am excited to get back out there, but uh, man, it feels good to just decompress from poker for a couple days. Uh, I bet. I mean, it's kind of, Looking at our, our little poker cast, it's kind of ironic. We've um, we're at an interesting state because we essentially started this a year ago, almost almost exactly a year ago. Because you end up winning a bracelet, and that was 2016. 2017 is a different year, but there were a lot of similarities. I remember 2016, you were really struggling. You hadn't uh, made a deep run. I don't think in any of the events. I mean, you'd made some day twos, but you were just really, really couldn't uh, get any traction. Similar to this year, you know, I've been talking to you as we always do, going back and forth a little bit, tracking your progress, and it's been really frustrating for you, but you were making a deep run and ironically the same event this year as last year, right? The 1K? It was actually pretty incredible. I, I thought about that when I was out there. I'm like, okay, you know, when you're like 10 days in, five days in, and you're like, man, this has been miserable. Like every time I get in a big pot, I just get my face incinerated. And then, you know, you're five days in, you're like, okay, there's still hope. And then you know, I look back at last year and I say, ah, last year I, I bricked everything until the last tournament I played and I won that baby for 300000 and a bracelet. So this year I was trying to, you know, I'm keeping my hopes up. And then sure enough, I, I you know, I have like one cash before this. And I get to the same event I won last year and I just get piles of chips in it. And I end up making a really deep run, which... Unless you unless you have a good finish in uh, in a large field tournament, it just feels almost worse to go deep and uh, not quite get there. So I yeah I had a I had a good showing at the end, got 29th in the same event I won last year. Almost felt meant to be until until uh, I got tens in against queens and got got smashed. Yeah, so I, I can't around, imagine. Yeah, pretty <laughs> disappointing. Uh, I was sweating it uh, here because I was sitting here and it was middle of my my weekend, my days off. So it was midweek and I was debating whether or not I should drive out to Vegas again. Because last year, remember, uh, Grace and I, my fiance at the time, we ended up mobbing like 110 miles an hour on the uh, on the freeway to try to get to Vegas in time. Because in we a Prius, like, no less. Yeah, in a Prius, like running downhill, trying to get uh, trying to get there to see you at the final table. And I think we got there when you were like four handed. Three, four-handed? Yeah, that uh, sounds about right. Yeah, like really late at night. And then it, it was so weird for us too, like watching and kind of, you know, waiting for the updates. It felt very similarly. But, I mean, this is kind of a good place to be and a great talking point for us. I mean, you've ultimately just had one of the worst trips you've had in a long, long time as a professional, right? Like you pretty much didn't recoup hardly anything from that because what was the cash? It was $1,000 buy-in and... 
Um, yeah, it was a thousand dollar buy-in, and I cashed for like seventy four hundred or something. Which I mean, that's good. Seven and a half times your buy-in. It's pretty sweet, you know. If I do that every time, I'm a millionaire by the end of the year. But <laughs> I, I've been playing bigger, bigger than I did last year. You know, not not being afraid to fire some of these non-hold'em events for thousand plus dollar buy-ins. So uh, yeah, I put in a lot of buy-ins and uh, it didn't go well. So it it certainly made me feel better about the trip, but it was it was an incredibly frustrating and uh, financially downer trip. Yeah, I know that, you know, you and I in the past, we take these trips together. We'd always go out to Vegas. And and like you said, it's kind of one of the most exciting times of the year, because for me, it was it was a good time to go out there and like play tournaments a day, get you absolutely uh, sauced at night, play some dice, do all the other things that you're not supposed to do as a poker player. But we had a lot of good times, but it was always exciting. And it's but at the end of it, it's so disappointing when you plan a trip, you have these hopes um, and you had a legitimate shot. You had a really good run. I know you were in the top four or five in chips for a while in the tournament when there was like 50, 60 players left. But what do we what do we do? Let's let's talk about kind of the content of today. When we as poker players, I think even casually like myself or like yourself as a professional, we go through downers, whether it be in tournaments or in cash games. How do we how do we deal with this? I mean, I talked to you a week, I think, before this event. And, and uh, I talked to another mutual friend, and I think you weren't even thinking about playing this. You were thinking about flying home a little bit early. Am I correct? I was, yeah. I, I considered heavily just canceling my trip a couple of days from the end of it. Uh, but if there's a time of year to push yourself to keep playing, it is definitely during the World Series when you have so much at stake. You have such good tournaments that really you just only get one time a year or so. If there's a time to push through and you're able to, I would definitely suggest pushing through. I mean, it's the same if even if you're playing a cash game. And actually, the cash games were quite good at the World Series this year. Um, but if you're in a really good game, man, if you're able to push through, you should. So uh, one of the th- ways to deal with the downswing is to play through it. And, uh, you know, I did my best and I was definitely emotionally raw. But I think uh, I kind of tried to manage that in that I would typically play one tournament a day. And if I busted that, I was kind of just done for the day. So trying to trying to manage my uh, my raw emotions and, and not overextend myself. Well, I, I think, you know, a piece of advice I have for the casual players, because I've, I've never really been a legitimate professional with like a, a really large bankroll and had you know, that burden to shoulder. Um, I've always, you know, taken the money that I've worked for and then taken that and played or I've had been backed in some action. For me, you know, when you feel yourself getting to that emotional threshold where you're feeling numb, you've you've got to really look at what you're doing with your money. I mean, there's times where I think you can kind of convince yourself, oh, you know, I'm going to rebuy for the fifth time in this tournament and you're just going, you know, and you're just making poor decisions, but you need to follow the money. You know, you need to say, okay, what have my last couple buy-ins gone to, you know, my last couple, whether it be a cash game or whether it be a tournament. And I think there you really have to ask yourself results-based, am I just getting unlucky? Did I get dealt kings against aces against some maniac that, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to have to give him my stack every time he has aces when I have kings or are we stretching? Are we pressing? Um, And that's, I think, something that's really true even when we're playing cash games. I agree, and I I do admit that I pressed a little bit. Um, I was kind of, I kind of went out there with the mentality of, you know, this is the summer. The summer is the time that you kind of just fire away. And there were a couple tournaments that were re-entries 
that one specifically, I think I fired like six or seven bullets in one day. And the last two of them, like the registration was open for all of day one, I think. And the last two bullets I fired, I had like, I registered with 12 big blinds or something. So, <laughs> and it was, it wasn't a huge buy-in. It was a $600 buy-in. But at the same time, I'm like, man, I'm kind of not lighting money on fire, but it's just a super high variance spot. And when I'm already like kind of sweating, not sweating the money, but just a little, uh, a little tired of being on a downswing, like throwing $1,200 in a high variance spot might not have been the best choice. Well, and then did you, did you take any days off? Because I know for me personally, like I get, I get very frustrated with results. Like if I play well, um, and, and it just doesn't turn out, I mean, you just end up getting coolered or, you know, you just go card dead. I mean, a lot of things can happen that result in you not winning or not even cashing, you know, there's just so many different scenarios. Um, if I feel like I played well, it was always draining for me, you know, playing a day, two day tournament, or even playing a lot of cash and just feeling like you, you played your a game and the result was really poor um for me to pull myself out of tailspin i always have to take a day off just one day and then i'll go back and i'll play again but um if i'm if i know that my mood is really poor and i'm making bad decisions or i'm really i guess just like you said raw um i've found that just not taking a week off not taking a month off from poker but sometimes taking that one day to collect myself do something fun um is really the difference maker for me when I was on the trips and I used to do the same thing and be on the road. Yeah. When I take longer trips, so I have previously done like three plus week trips. I do schedule myself days off. Um, this one was like right on the borderline. I went two weeks and I mean, two weeks is a lot to play straight, but I just decided to play through it. There were a couple days in the middle where I was like, man, I kind of feel like taking a day off, but there was a tournament that I really wanted to play. So I uh, made the decision just like, I'm going to fire one bullet at this. And if I bust, and I did, I'm just going to go home and I'm going to chill. I'm going to I'm gonna go call my wife. I'm just going to kind of do the things to get me grounded, you know? Uh, one, thing that, uh, one thing that was extremely helpful that I neglected to do for like the first three or four days of my trip is just start my morning by talking to my wife, talking to, you know, people that you care about that keep you grounded. And I did some Bible study, got in the Word, and just really like find the things that are unshakable. And, uh, that's something I neglected to do for like three or four days of my trip. And, uh, once I started doing that, I did feel a lot, uh, more emotionally stable and less inclined to just go off the hinges and be tilted. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that's something I would definitely recommend too. in whatever, whatever way you can find something to keep you grounded. It's very important when you're out of town to, to stay grounded. Yeah, I, I think that that's such a that's such a key takeaway. Um, so overall, results based had a pretty pretty sour trip. I know um, you certainly have a following from Twitch and on Twitter. Uh, a lot of people already kind of know. But what do you? What were some positive takeaways? I mean, obviously you didn't come home with more cash than you started with. So um, well, there's one, not of, one of the one of the most fun things was getting to play some of these non holdem tournaments that I've never I've never even played some of these formats in a tournament. You know, I plays like some mixed game cash games, but to play one the first event I played was a six handed dealer's choice game, and it was awesome, dude. Like, I mean, people are out there just like firing at this stuff that a lot of people don't really know how to play most of the games. And I was just shocked how uh, far ahead of the field that I thought I was. Um, you know, I expected to be able to hold my own, but 
in almost every format, I thought I was one of the better players, and I'm not I'm not terribly experienced in a lot of these formats, so that's always a really positive uh, uh, feeling to to be firing at something that you you know you're excited to play, but you're not really sure about it. And uh, I felt like I was one of the better players, so that was really fun. Yeah, I mean that's interesting. I had a conversation at Commerce um, while I was at work only a couple weeks ago with uh, with a really a pretty noteworthy player, at least online. I, I won't. I won't divulge his identity, but um, he's played over, I think, four million hands uh, of limit hold'em online on Stars. I mean, back in the heyday, I mean, he's just a limit hold'em master. He's certainly one of the best limit hold'em players I think in the world. But we we're just kind of talking poker and just what he's up to, and because uh, I read his blog occasionally. And one of the things he said is, uh, and especially at Commerce, we run some of the biggest or the biggest mixed games uh, in a casino in the world. Uh, we have. 200, 400, we have a little bit smaller. Sometimes we get like a 40, 80, 60, 120. But uh, during peak season, I mean, even the last month ago, we were having a 1,000, 2,000 uh, mixed game. And it's just really common. I mean, I would say more days than not, we have a big mixed game. And he was just talking about how it's so hard for people to be good at that many different forms of poker. So, And then a lot of times when you're playing mixed games or different variations outside of just like hold them and no limit hold them, the great thing is, you know, the players that are more there for entertainment, more casual players, they get to play more hands. They get they feel like they get better value for their money. They get better action because I think even at the low limit levels, the average guest in a poker room is so much more educated at no limit hold'em. Like most people know ace king has value. Aces is good. But there's a lot of things about stud, badoogie, badacy, raztusi, um, all these other games that are rarely played. Uh that are fun about them and I don't think it's as black and white and I think that's kind of what's exciting yeah agreed it was uh it was pretty funny in the in the dealer's choice uh, how quickly the good players identify what the, the what the bad players struggle with so for instance like split pot games man if you play split pot games with players that don't know how to play split pot games and just like some basic strategy like one of the most important things in split pot games is playing hands that can win both the high and the low. I mean, seems kind of obvious when you think about that, but when people are just totally unfamiliar with proper strategy in those games, yeah, especially in a dealer's choice, like me and another good player in this six-handed dealer's choice, we saw that these guys weren't good at playing the split pot stud. It was stud, high, low, no qualifier. So like, if you're playing a high hand, you're getting free rolled every single pot you play. So once we saw that there were two or three players at the table that didn't understand that concept very well, we just really put the put the pedal to the metal and played that game every time we could. And uh, it, it was awesome. And somehow the uh, the weak players kept uh, retaining some chips, so we kept playing that game all day. They even started making comments were like, oh, this game again. <laughs> you know, and you gotta you gotta play it off like you're not picking it just because they're bad at it. You gotta be like, oh, I, I mean, it's my lucky game. How can I not pick it? <laughs> <laughs> so you get you guys are playing no Q, no qualifier. That's yeah, stud no qualifier, high low. Is that's a really, really interesting beautiful. strategic game because um, I was talking to one of the big combo players a while back, and and he was telling me, you know, you would think a hand like rolled up kings when you're dealt. Uh, two kings down one up you would think that that would be a nut hand but since it has no low potential like you you can immediately cannot win 50 percent of the pot and you can right. certainly lose the whole pot so i mean yeah maybe you 
you take off a card, but I mean, you shouldn't just shovel chips in the middle, you know, with that type of a hand. So no, you should really be like trying to make the hand multi-way, like limping, uh, trying to over limp, you know, like you really don't want to, unless you fill up, if you fill up in your multi-way, you can start putting in some raises appropriately. But even then you don't really want to drive people out of the pot. If you're playing heads up, you automatically are getting only half the pot. So yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting game. And when I, when I saw one player that would just bring it in for a full with like a queen up, it was just, man, game's on. We're playing this one every time I can. <laughs> that's that's awesome. That's fun to hear. Um, yeah, I think that that's, that's what we're going to see in the future is I think that there's uh, these different forms of poker and there's different variations that are coming around. And I think they're just becoming more popular with the the player that for the last 10 to 15 years they've been inundated with no limit hold'em tournaments and no limit hold'em cash um and we've got to remember a lot of us that are like younger and don't remember what poker was 15 20 30 years ago uh used to be on the west coast a lot of like stud and low ball draw you know i mean poker every 10 to 15 years at least a portion of uh the industry reinvents itself at least in some part in another game or a couple new games come around and become way more popular i had never heard of pot limit omaha when i started playing for gosh 15 years ago i didn't even know that was the thing you know so i think it's just really advantageous to kind of stay up with the trends at least expose yourself to it a little bit depending on where you live uh across the united states yeah, I wouldn't invest a ton of time into it if they're not spread in a game. You know, if if you can't play the game, you don't need to spend a ton of time learning it. But it's definitely valuable to be able to uh, game select a little wider if you're able to play some of these mixed games. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, Chase, are we about to head to another land? You ready? Galaxy far, far away. All right. You know, speaking of which, I never got to play the Star Trek slot machine. Didn't oh, even walk by one. My gosh. Yeah, the years that we like fiending for that, oof. Those are those are some tough times cuz one thing when we were in Vegas with the Star Trek slot machine, we always had to have at least half a ball of crown each. So <laughs> that, that was that was a nightly ritual. Yeah, yeah I've oh. I've grown out of my crown drinking Star Trek slot machine playing days. <laughs> but I do love me some Star Wars. Let's get on the Millennium Falcon 2 most Eisley. You know what time it is. Time for another great floor call. All right, Chase. Okay. I'm gonna, you're going to do this one up. I'm going to do it good. So here's the situation. We're playing a World Series of Poker tournament. No limit hold'em. Now we have, we're on the river. We have a player that went all in and a player that called. So being a tournament, an all in and a call with no further action pending, all cards must be turned up, right? TDA rule. That's how the rules are. That's how the rules go. So, unfortunately, at the World Series, some of the dealers are a little weak, and they don't know all the rules. So, I'm sitting there watching the dealer let the all-in player muck his hand into the muck face down. And I say, the, you know, I say to the dealer, dealer, there's got to be a showdown for an all-in. Like, you got to turn the hands up, dealer. The dealer doesn't seem to understand or didn't hear me or something. So she's pushing the pot to the other player, and I see him try to muck his hand face down. And again, I said, dealer, there's got to be a showdown. And I think she just didn't know the rule and was maybe ignoring me or something. But so she's about to muck the hand, and I reach over, and and I'm like, dealer, there's got to be a showdown. And I turn his hand over. 
And this player gets furious with me. And I said, like, listen, there, it's an all-in. There has to be a showdown. That's, that's how it works. And he gets mad, and he's like, you know, I, I'm going to call the floor. And he calls the floor over. So you get called over. Here's the situation explained to you. There's an all-in showdown. This player mucked his, had his cards face down, and then another player reached over and turned his cards face up for the all-in showdown. What do you do, floor? I think in this situation, it's it's fairly straightforward. I mean, you're definitely going to get a slap on the hand. Um, if it continues, you're going to get removed from the tournament, and it's not going to be a great thing. I mean, ultimately, it's always a dicey situation when a dealer, maybe they're unaware of a, of a ruling um, because... You know, you got to understand that dealers facilitate the game, but they're not always conscious and cognizant, especially when you deal with um, the restraints that the World Series does. I mean, you got to remember that for about nine weeks, they have to hire a staff in the thousands. And these are roughly part time people. So they come from all different types of backgrounds. They come from all over across the nation to deal. I mean, I, I sympathize with you. I completely understand your frustration. But at the same time, any time a player that's not involved in the hand grabs cards that aren't theirs and turns them over even when it's something the dealer should be protecting the muck and the dealer should be protecting the integrity of the game and turning them up themselves you're going to face a penalty in a tournament and if it's a cash game you're probably going to be warned and depending on the house rules they may actually ask you to leave for the evening because of that because one of the things that is kind of the unspoken rule is that when you muck and when your cards hit the muck and get mixed into the muck it's unretrievable. And then on the other end, so I understand that it's bad etiquette that the guy sees an opportunity for him to fold his hand and try to angle shoot and get him to the muck fast enough that this dealer who's not, you know, really doing a great job um, and cheat all of you guys out of seeing what the real showdown was. I mean, it is kind of a bad situation, but ultimately I think in a perfect world, you get a warning and you get some sort of timeout. You either get a hand to a uh, round away from the table, depending on how strict the turn it is. And then they, the other guys have to be issued a warning um, that they understand the tournament rules as well, that they have to expose their hand in a showdown. And then the dealer certainly has to be counseled. But the one thing you know that we do at Commerce, and I think it's pretty industry standard, is they're, of course, never going to counsel the dealer on the table in front of customers. I mean, that dealer, sure, they need a little more training, but they're going to pull him or her off to the side uh, and talk to her later and just inform her that the uh, the big guy with the beard that was going berserk over the hands not being turned over, uh, he was actually more right than wrong, even though it's not his place to turn the hand over. So uh, tell us what happened. You end up getting into fisticuffs or like what, what, what was the Yeah, you know, I mean, I only hit two of them. So <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, the, so the floor comes over and he says, oh, there's you absolutely can't touch another player's cars. And I'm like, I mean, come on. I'm not I'm not just like maliciously turning his cards over. There has to be a showdown for Nolan and a call. And he was like, I mean, I could tell he was like conflicted on it, but he said, okay, well, I'm just going to give you a one-hand penalty. And I'm like, one-hand penalty? What are you talking about? What's this guy's penalty for trying to muck his cards face down? You know, like, I was pretty heated about it and annoyed. Like, one thing, the, the dealers are pretty weak, so you're always like on guard for dealing mistakes. And you're always kind of, like, annoyed if the dealer is not the best. Um, but, I mean, certainly I could have handled it better. And I was pretty annoyed, actually. Me and the guy, 
I got in more of an argument with the, the guy that was upset with me for turning his cars over. I'm like, listen, guy, you got to turn them over. I'll bet you. And before the floor got there, I was like, I'll side bet you that the floor doesn't give me a penalty. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't bet him because I got a one hand penalty. <laughs> Uh, but awesome. I even I, I was walking by the floor later and uh, he made some comment like, now I bet you won't do that again. And I was like, no, I'm pretty, pretty strong and that I don't think I did much wrong there. But I, I you know, I do I do give in. And uh, now that I'm removed from the situation, my stubbornness uh, has worn off a little bit. Uh, I, yeah, I see how I was, how I was in the wrong uh, that I think that's like my first penalty in five years. So. I mean, it's not the it's most okay. egregious penalty. You're you're just you're just exercising like vigilante poker justice. It's like <laughs> it's like the uh, the crux of all, almost all like superhero TV shows, which is you know like is it okay to take the law into your own hands and just like execute it yourself? <laughs> uh, you're essentially the larger bearded version of that at the poker table. Um, but it is it kind of be it kind of speaks to a larger issue, which is you know ultimately dealers are humans. They're going to make mistakes, you know, um, but as such, we need to be gracious to them and make sure that we're not trying to take it in our, in our own hands and, um, you know, turn over cards and deal the cards for them and bark at them what to do. Um, shame on you, Chase, trying to be yeah, a poker vigilante. I, agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm typically very nice to dealers and cut them a lot of slack. Um, but, I mean, I made a bad decision to take an, take action in my own hands when... The pro- part of the problem was that it's such a process to go. Hold on, you need to show the hand. Let's call for like, I don't want to go through all that jazz. I didn't. I didn't think in the in the moment that the guy would be mad that I observed the rules and turn. You know, whatever. Yeah. So, I so let, just, let me guess. I should have got my money flustered. The, what I said. So end up. So long story short, you end up getting flustered and you make you make the wrong decision. Yeah. Well, I mean, story of my trip. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I should have got my money's worth out of the whole thing and just like spiked his hand face up instead of gently turning it over and just giving up. Boom shakalaka! Boom shakalaka, <laughs> turn that thing face up. Well, I mean, probably the floor made the decision alone because she's this, she's the reaction of the dealer, this tiny dealer, and sees you with your monstrous beard reaching across the table and your sweaty paw grabbing the cards and flipping them face up. So, <laughs> probably instant replay, you know. I'm, I'm really glad we're painting me in such a good picture in this. <laughs> Oh, I know. Uh, Well, I I think it is pretty routine. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for sympathy from me, um, I would have made a very similar call that you're going to get a little bit of time away. But I think a one-hand penalty is pretty pretty lenient as far as penalties go. Um, One hand. I mean, that was definitely aces, and you were going to double up, and it was going to change your tournament. But, you know, you got to learn somehow. Like, eight hands later, I got aces and busted the tournament, so... You know, it might have just saved me uh, from busting for eight hands. <laughs> Positive. Nice. All right. Well, I think that's all for our floor call for this week. Um, let's move right. on. Let's uh, play the canteen music out. All right. Say bye to the band. Tip your waiter. <laughs> so, so this is not the end of your summer. So, for those of you that follow Chase or would like to follow Chase. Uh, you've got one, I think one event left, probably depending on how you do at the World Series, and that is, of course, the main event. Talk to us about that. Are you excited? Um, I, I know we were talking earlier. You're kind of excited that they're no longer doing November nine. 
It's kind of a positive. I, yeah, I'm super pumped for the main. The main is by far the best tournament of the year, and it's not close. It, I'm 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 pretty pumped for it, and I feel a little slighted in the main because I think I played it four times. I'm Sounds pretty sure right. four times, and I've never cashed in it. So I kind of feel like I'm due. Not that that's a real thing, but uh, <laughs> I've I've never had a good result in the main. So I'm I'm super motivated to do well in it. And uh, yeah, I, I I think getting away from the November nine is good for poker in general. I think that was kind of a I don't know, just bad foresight because I don't think that the live live stream of like really slow and tedious decisions. I don't think the general public really wants to see that. So I think getting back to this edited post-production uh, sort of ESPN televised poker is the way to go. And just as a player, not waiting months and months to uh, play your final table is, I think, preserve some of the game integrity. Not that the integrity was lost, but the the skill edges uh like the bad players had such an advantage making the final table because then they get like, what is it? Four or five months to prepare for it. I actually saw, I saw a really funny tweet by Jamie Kerstetter where she said, well, my dream of being a mediocre poker player and making the final table of the main event and then getting good are now dead because they're not doing the November nine. Yeah. That, that is kind of an interesting, well, not interesting, but it's, it's a very, uh, very accurate take is yeah is that they're able to close the skill gap if if they get there and you know they're deficient and they can learn a little bit about their opponents and their play styles and stuff especially if they're notable players that have some sort of a history within poker and versus a no name um so uh, i can see that perspective but i'll be excited to to kind of rail you and see what happens um do you know what group you're in so if people are are going to follow you and add you on twitter um they know where to be looking for you. Uh, what group I'm in? You mean like what day I'm playing? Yeah, which day you you picked for your flight? Uh, I assume I'm just gonna play one A because I'm gonna I'm gonna actually go a couple days before that and play a couple smaller events. I think there's uh, fifteen hundred. There's I think excuse me I think a thousand dollar online event which could be fun. So oh, yeah, I'm okay. gonna play a couple before that and play one A of the main. Nice, nice. Um. Yeah, I hope I, I have the pleasure of uh, coming out there and rooting for you at the final table of the main. That would be pretty, pretty amazing and awesome. Yeah, try not to kill yourself in the Prius this time. <laughs> the, the Prius is like the safest car on earth. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's just a tank, just disguised <laughs> like a, a ugly, an ugly uh, gas-saving car. I'm pretty sure it's. You, you just told me like a week ago that you just found out that your then girlfriend, now wife, was absolutely terrified that you were driving so fast to come see me. She, yeah, she was less than happy with me, but she was a trooper. She, uh, yeah, she didn't show it very much, but yeah, yeah, she was terrified. Um, well. Do you have anything you want to plug for us, Chase? Go through all of uh, the ways these fine folks that have listened to us can reach out to us and get in touch with us. Yes, sir. We we want to get some more emails. We usually yeah. do an email segment, but we haven't gotten any in the last couple weeks. I mean, that's kind of on us because, you know, with me traveling for the World Series, we've been more infrequent with our uh, with our podcast. So definitely get more listener email in. I would love to give you guys specific pinpoint feedback for anything that you want some uh, answers on whether that's poker related life related anything door is open uh please guys take advantage of us being able to just 
go through your issues that you're struggling with and poker or whatever. And uh, yeah, get some emails in. The email address is top two pokercast at gmail.com. So get those in. Uh, also, you can hit us on Twitter, top two pokercast, my Twitter, chase underscore Bianchi. And Andrew, I'm a nooblet on Twitter. Uh, if you guys want to watch me on Twitch, I usually stream on Sundays. Uh, man, again, probably not going to be for a couple weeks because I'm going back out there. But yeah, most Sundays on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Chase Bianchi. Uh, yeah, you can follow me there. You can also find us at Top 2 PokerCast on Facebook. We have an active Facebook page. So when Chase makes deep run in events, we update it and keep you in the know about how he's doing and send some pictures. We had Andrew uh, Peeper who helped us out this last time. Really appreciate it. Shout out to you. Um, Yeah, other than that, stay safe. We're in the middle of summer. Stay cool. And we'll catch you next time. Later. Bye.